If you would, open your Bibles with me again to Philippians chapter 4. We last looked at this passage, I preached from verse 4, rejoicing in the Lord. We rejoice in who the Lord is, in his character. We rejoice in his sovereignty. We rejoice in his holiness. We rejoice in his electing, redeeming love. We rejoice in his grace and his sufficiency. We rejoice he is all we need. And we rejoice that the Father made it easy to find all these blessings. It's so easy to find they're all in one person. They're all in Christ. Now if you need any of these things, you need grace, you need mercy, you need wisdom, you need a prophet, a priest, a king, you need a sacrifice, go to Christ. Go to Christ. They're all all in Him. Isn't that easy? I mean, the gospel, as I mentioned in the class earlier, it's a mystery, but it's really easy, isn't it? Just go to Christ. Just look to Christ. Just, Just depend upon Christ. Now today, I want to look at how rejoicing in the Lord, how with that rejoicing is truly in our heart, how it affects our conduct. How it affects the believer's walk here below. Hence my title is Walking, Rejoicing. I know that there's a lot of people that can't chew gum and walk at the same time. But you know every believer can rejoice and walk at the same time. Our rejoicing in Christ directs our walk. And I have five ways I want to show us how truly rejoicing in the Lord affects the believer's walk through this world. Number one, when we rejoice in the Lord, there will be unity. In verse two, Paul says, I beseech you, Odious, and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, it sounds like there had to be at least some amount of discord among the believers there in the church. And Paul wanted to see that cleared up. That's just not becoming to a believer, to have these, these divisions and fussing like that. And I'll tell you the absolute sure cure for discord among believers now, the sure cure for it is rejoicing in the Lord. I used to tell my niece Rosalie, I've got no time for red lights. Well, if we're rejoicing in the Lord, i got no time for discord. i got no time for fussing and fighting if I'm rejoicing in the Lord. If we're rejoicing in the Lord together, How can there be discord between us? How can there be? (laughs) And I tell you, the way we continue rejoicing in the Lord and the way we continue to to have peace and unity with each other, keep this this discord set aside. You know how you keep those things at bay? By hearing the consistent preaching of the gospel. In verse 3, Paul says, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women. Well, how is he going to do that? How is this pastor, how can he help these two ladies? How can he help the rest of the congregation to, to avoid this discord? It's by consistently preaching Christ alone. I don't think it's possible to preach Christ too narrowly. That it's only Christ. Only look to Christ. Only rejoice in Christ. Only desire him. If we're doing that, rejoicing in Christ together, that's just going to promote unity. 
If we're constantly, consistently hearing the preaching of Christ, how can we not forgive one another? If we're consistently hearing Christ preached, we're rejoicing in him. How can we not bear one another's burdens? You know? And I'll tell you this, almost every single time there's fussing and fighting going on in the church amongst believers, it's over something petty. Always. It's not over the blood. It's not over the sacrifice. It's not over God's character. It's not over how God saves sinners. It's always over something petty. It has to do every time with personal glory. This division always is something that's completely insignificant to the gospel, completely insignificant to the glory of Christ. And I'll tell you the best way I can think of For me not to get caught up in personal glory is to hear the preaching of Christ's glory. Oh, if I'm rejoicing in his glory, I'm seeking his glory, I'm wanting to see his glory, (laughs) my glory is going to be put where it belongs, you know, it belongs in the drawer, somewhere not to be seen. The best way I can think of not to focus on petty, insignificant things and cause division between you and me over petty, insignificant things is to consistently hear preaching about what is significant. Christ. He's the only thing that's significant. He's the only thing that matters. Oh, if I'll do that. Now that's going to put me in my place. Hearing of his purpose. That, that's going to put my purpose in his place, isn't it? <laughs> it? It just will. It's just impossible for two believers to have division with each other if they're both worshiping Christ together and rejoicing in the Lord together. Just like I said a minute ago, every division I've ever known of between two believers has been over something other than Christ. Well, how'd that happen? Somebody's not focusing on rejoicing in the Lord. Somebody's not focusing on Christ. That's what caused the discord. And the sure cure for discord, the sure cure for this bitterness and this anger that sets in us, You want to get rid of that bitterness and that anger? Have joy in the Lord. It really is. Just joy in the Lord. We rejoice in Christ. And when that happens, there's going to be peace and unity. Because we're rejoicing in the same person together. We're we're all in love with the same person. You just can't, can't help but have unity that way. All right, number two. When we rejoice in the Lord, this is how this affects our walk. We'll live in moderation. In verse 5, says, let, Paul says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. I know normally we hear this word moderation and we think about don't eat too much. You know, don't drink too much. Do you know, your hobbies uh, in moderation. You know, take your job responsibilities you know, in moderation. It's just not good for you to work 100 hours a week and trying to make a living and Ignore your family and ignore, you know, the worship of the Lord. And those but keep these things in their place. That's what we normally think of when we think of moderation. And that's wise. It's wise not to get carried away with the, really anything in this life. That's good advice, but that's not what Paul's talking about here. The word moderation he uses should be translated. This is what it means, gentleness. Gentleness and patience. In 1 Timothy 3.3, Paul is giving us the qualifications for a pastor, and he says the pastor is to be patient. He's not a brawler. 
That word translated patient is the same word translated moderation here in our text. In Titus 3, verse 2, Paul gave this this word. Speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. That word translated gentle there is the same word translated moderation in our text. Let your gentleness, let your patience be known unto all men, believer and unbeliever alike. I tell you, we can't strive to have unity and peace with one another if we're not trying to be kind to one another. I mean, if somebody's kind to you, how can you be mean to them? <laughs> it just doesn't happen. We can't have unity if we're not being patient with one another. Now, we're God's people. We're sinners saved by grace. But sinners is part of that description of us, isn't it? You're just going to have to be patient with sinners, aren't you? You're just going to have to be forgiving with sinners. And I know that can be easy to say and hard to do sometimes. If somebody hurts you, somebody hurts your feelings, somebody slanders you, I know it can be hard to be forgiving. I mean, I'm the worst, I'm the worst of the lot, I promise you. However much trouble you think you got with it, I'm telling you, I got more. It's hard to be patient with people. But I tell you the way that we'll be gentle with people. The way that will that will motivate us and put in our heart to be patient with one another is this to rejoice in the Lord. If we're rejoicing in the Lord, again, we'll go back to that hearing that consistent preaching of Christ. We'll be reminded to be gentle with one another. We'll be motivated to be gentle with one another. Because you know what we're going to hear? Oh, how gentle Christ is with his little ones. He's gentle with them. He corrects them, but he's gentle with them. How gentle was the Lord? With those disciples, I mean, they kept saying so many stupid things, kept doing so many things that were just off in left field. Lord was gentle with them, wasn't he? Lord was patient with them. Oh, doesn't that put it, put it in your heart? Be patient with your brothers, your sisters. And Paul tells us here, this is a good motivation now for, for patience and gentleness. The Lord is at hand. Now, this is, is not a, a threat. You know, mothers are famous for saying, you wait till your father gets home. Your father's almost home, you know, like you're going to get it then. Daddy's going to kill Ralphie. You know, your father's almost home. This is not what Paul's saying. This is not a threat. It's a precious promise. Now, you take this with you. You put this in your lunch bucket and you take it to work with you tomorrow. The Lord's near. Wherever you go, the Lord is near. He's already there wherever you go. And all I tell you, if we recognize that the Lord is with us, the Lord's near. He's with us right now in this service. Where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. The Lord's near. Well, now if the Lord's near, won't we be gentle with each other? We, got his, we have his presence. The Lord's taking care of this situation. He's near. If he's here, he's taking care of the situation. And the Lord is at hand also means this. Not only is he here with his people and with his presence and his spirit, it means the Lord is coming again very soon. I tell you, when I think about how soon it will be that the Lord's here again, it's going to be so soon. That makes it easy to be patient if it's going to be over soon. 
Doesn't that make you patient? I don't, I, you know, I, I, I tell myself all the time, but I, I, just patience is a weakness of mine. If you don't have to be patient for very long, it's easier to be patient, isn't it? The Lord's at hand. He's here, and he's coming again soon. See, that directs our walk, doesn't it? Help us be gentle with one another, patient with one another. Then number three, rejoicing in the Lord, it affects our walk this way. It'll cause us to see that really we have very little reason for anxiety. Verse six, Paul says, be careful for nothing. Now, Paul doesn't mean don't be careful about things. You know, please, when you cross the street, be careful. I mean, you know, God gave you some sins. Look both ways before you cross the street. Be careful. You parents, you be careful what you teach your children and how you teach them. You be careful to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. You be careful to raise them, uh, you know, re- respecting authority and having a work ethic and, and being the kind of person that can stand on their own two feet when it's time. Be careful about that. Put some thought into that. Paul doesn't mean don't be careful about taking care of your body. Now be careful about that. Be, you know, be, be careful, be reasonable, you know, about what you eat and how much you eat and what you drink and how much you drink, you know. Just be careful. Take some vitamins, you know, do some exercise, you know, get your physical once a year. Be careful about those things. Janet says the Lord gave you a body and a mind to take care of it. Now use it. I mean, don't, don't be thoughtless about this thing. And Paul, don't be careful about your job. He doesn't mean that. He doesn't mean don't be careful you know, about your finances and those kinds of things. Be careful about it. God gave you a job. Take care of it. Be careful that you do a good job. He doesn't mean those things. The word careful, he, he means here, means anxiety. Now be careful to do what you can do. Be careful to do what is in your control in every situation. And then don't fret about it. You know, anxiety will fly away if we're rejoicing in the Lord. I mean, honestly, if I'm rejoicing in the Lord, I'm rejoicing, oh, the Lord is near. The Lord of heaven and earth, He's my God. He's my Savior. I mean, what is there to worry about then? I mean, really. I mean, it's just awful hard to be full of anxiety and be full of joy in the Lord at the same time. I mean, it's it's difficult. Now listen, I want to handle this this topic honestly and compassionately. I think something we recognize now that we didn't recognize 30, 40, 50 years ago um, is that clinical depression and anxiety, these are medical issues. These are are real medical problems. you know, I, I'm, I'm old enough, I can remember a time where, where having anxiety and having the depression, these mental problems, was a shameful thing. I mean, just shameful. You just, man, you didn't talk about that. Now listen to me. I want to take a burden off of you. If you have those issues, uh, mental issues of, of, of anxiety and, and depression like that, please seek help. Please seek help. If you have, if you have cancer... You seek help. You seek medical help, don't you? If you have heart disease, you seek medical help. Seek medical help for these things. Now, I, 
There's no shame in that any more than than any other disease. Please understand. What we're talking about here, this anxiety that Paul saw, it's not a a clinical depression. It's not a medical kinds of thing. What What he's talking about more is the kind of internal dialogue that I have with myself. You know, the internal dialogue, what, what I'm saying to myself, that can lift my spirits up or it can depress me and make me all worry about things. You know, that, it's possible for me to talk myself into being anxious about things. And again, I'm not talking about this, a clinical depression. I'm, just, I'm talking about just normal everyday things. It, it's easy for me to talk myself into being depressed about them. But if I'm rejoicing in the Lord, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And I'm rejoicing in that. And I know his will is always good. I know everything he does is always right and best. I'm rejoicing in that. It's going to be kind of hard to be full of anxiety about these things. It's going to be, it's, it's really hard to think that everything that happens to me, and think of it as, as the worst case scenario. You ever do that like Eeyore? Ooh, you know, Eeyore is always depressed because Eeyore is always positive that the worst case scenario is going to happen. That's the only positive thing about Eeyore. He's positive the worst case scenario is going to come to pass. But if I'm really rejoicing in the Lord, he's sovereign. Eric in his prayer, thank God for his sovereignty. If I'm thankful, I'm rejoicing in that, you know, and I know what he does is, is, is good and best and right, then I just don't have to be worried about the worst case scenario with everything the Lord brings my way. Now, I'm not saying the things won't hurt. I'm saying I don't have to think of the worst, worst case scenario and all those things. If I'm rejoicing in the Lord, and I trust that he sovereignly reigns over everything that happens to me, everything that happens to me, he brings my way. You know, it's easy to say, thank you, Lord. He sends blessings our way, isn't it? Well, am I going to thank the Lord and thank the Lord for his sovereignty when he sends blessings my way and then complain when he brings something painful my way? I mean, I am, but is that what we ought to do? You know, Job told his wife, oh, no, no, no. We're going to take both from the hand of the Lord. If I take the good from his hand, I'm going to take the evil too. And maybe this will help you when the Lord brings you into the furnace of trial. It'll be helpful to be reminded at those times. Often. Of who our God is. He's too wise to make a mistake. He's too good to do wrong. It's good to be reminded how the Lord loves and cares for his own. We talked about the Lord adopting his people, making them his children. It's good to be reminded of our Heavenly Father's perfect love, perfect care, perfect provision for his children. He's already proved it, hasn't he? I mean, these are not just words on paper. This is not just theory. He's already proved it. He sent his son to die for us while we were yet sinners. He sent his son to purge us of our sin. He, take, he took care of the worst problem, the problem that no human being could ever solve. The Father found a way. He, he found a ransom. He provided a ransom. Well, this thing, I mean, it, now it hurt. I'm, please understand, I'm not saying trials don't, they hurt. But it's a little thing compared to my sin. 
I believe God can handle this just fine, don't you? I believe He can. See, it'll help my anxiety by looking at things as they are. Not as I imagine they will be. It really will help. And be careful not to fall into this trap. Don't borrow trouble. Don't borrow trouble. Human beings, oh, we're a mess. You know, everything is going fine right now. Everything seems to be going good. And what? here's the only thing we can think about tomorrow. Tomorrow, the only thing's possible, everything's good now, but the only thing possible for me tomorrow is trouble and heartache. Now, why do we do that? How about instead, we spend our time thanking the Lord for his blessings of today. Thanking the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord for his blessings today, and trust in the Lord. He'll take care of tomorrow too. Wouldn't that be better if we could do that? Don't let worrying about tomorrow stop you from enjoying today. And don't let the trouble of yesterday stop you from enjoying today too. See, rejoicing in the Lord, that, that directs our walk, doesn't it? Isn't that what the Lord said? Matthew 6, 34. Take therefore no thought. And the word means anxious thought. Don't take any anxious thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Thank the Lord for what he's given us today. And when the Lord brings you into this, this time of trouble, it's going to hurt. I would ask you that you don't put a false religious front on this thing. When you're in times of pain and sorrow and loss, you know, we think we're, we're, we're putting off, off this, this good show of faith and it's going to help other people. And, and really, it's not going to help them. Really, it hurts them. Because when they suffer, they feel the pain. They feel the sorrow. They, you know, it's... A, and they think, well, I don't have the, have the kind of faith, you know, this person has. I'm not as strong faith as this person. And really, it, it hurt them, didn't it? I was talking with, with Shelby Fortner um, a couple months ago. And, um, you know, this thing losing Don, it, it's been hard. It's been hard for her. And she said, yes, I trust in the Lord. Absolutely, I trust in the Lord. But I'm in the flesh and this hurts. Just remember this, both can be true. I can have full faith and confidence and trust in the Lord and hurt too. Do both at the same time. I, I may not be able to chew gum and walk at the same time, but I can trust in the Lord and hurt at the same time. I can do both of those things together. Now our trials hurt. They, but here's what we rejoice in. That God's grace is sufficient. You know, I don't like pain. I don't, I don't like it and uh, I worry about it. I worry about having extreme pain, those kinds of things again someday. I worry about that. But I don't have this kind of anxiety, this fret about it because I don't worry about the outcome. I don't have to worry about the outcome because I trust the Lord. See, he's in charge of that. And here's another meaning of this word careful. And I didn't know this until I was studying this message. Another meaning of this word careful means anxiety and it means seeking to promote oneself. Now seeking to promote oneself may not bring anxiety to me, but I promise you it's going to bring anxiety to others if 
I'm seeking to promote myself anywhere, whether it's at work or particularly in the church, particularly amongst believers. You know, our desire is to rejoice in the Lord. That's the desire of every believer. Well, it'll be helpful if I want to rejoice in the Lord to quit thinking about myself, quit thinking about my circumstances, and start thinking about Christ. Worship. True heart worship and peace amongst God's believers are ruined every single time when we're promoting self. You can't promote self and promote Christ too. Preaching the gospel is lifting Christ up. You can't lift Christ up if I'm promoting myself. It's it's impossible. If we think about how blessed we are. Almighty God chose me. He chose to save me and I didn't deserve it. He chose to pour out his mercy and grace upon me and I'm not deserving of the least of his mercies the father sent his son to suffer and die to put away my sin I I can't get over that he did that for me the Holy Spirit came and he gave me faith I sat and listened to the gospel for I don't know how many years and wouldn't hear it wouldn't believe it wouldn't love it and the Holy Spirit came And gave me faith to believe Christ anyway. If God was like me. He'd throw me out. I'd give you too many chances. Strike 1,512,000. You're out. No. He gave me faith anyway. He gave me faith to believe Christ. And trust in Christ anyway. And real soon. He's coming. To take me home. To be with him forever. Now if I think on those things. See, don't don't think of myself. Don't think of my circumstances. I think on those things. In the darkest of night, in the hardest trial, I'm going to be able to rejoice in the Lord. See, I just will have less anxiety the less I think about myself and the more I think about Christ. And you might think it's impossible. That's impossible. Preacher, you're just talking religious talk that sounds good on Sunday and don't work on Monday. Wait a minute. Is it impossible to have a sense of contentment and peace of heart when you're getting wrung out in a trial? Is it? Eli did. Samuel came to him and said, God said he's going to kill your two sons. Eli said, it's the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. Job did. Has anybody other than our Lord tried like Job was? The Lord killed all Job's children. He took away all of his earthly possessions so that all Job was left with was a piece of broken pottery. It wasn't even a whole vase. It was a broken piece of pottery. That's all Job had left to scrape the boils that covered his body. And what did Job say? The Lord gave and the Lord taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now I grant you, that attitude and that faith is not possible unless the Lord gives it. I, I grant you that. But you know what? We can pray and ask the Lord to give it to us, can't we? It's sure good. If, if you want it, well, it would be wise to pray and ask the only person that has it to give it to you, wouldn't it? That brings me to the fourth thing. If we're rejoicing in the Lord, this is how this will, will direct our, our walk. 
if we're rejoicing in the Lord, we will pray. We will pray. And we'll trust the Lord. Verse 6, Paul says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. I'll tell you a real good cure for anxiety. A real good cure for constantly thinking about the worst possible outcome is prayer. You know, it's just hard to be full of anxiety when you're praying. Isn't it hard to be full of anxiety when when you're with your Heavenly Father? And Paul tells us here, this is such a gracious thing. Make your request known to God. Make your request. Don't worry, well, is this wrong? Is this, you know... Make your request known to God. Savannah Grace can call me any time of day, any day of the week, and say, Daddy, I need help. And I'm, you know, sometimes I might not be able to do, you know. I might, I'm just a Our Heavenly Father has power and control over all things and he has perfect love for his children. His cell phone's never off. Sometimes maybe she couldn't get hold of me. My cell phone's off. Make your request known to God. And he says, pray. Ask me for what you need. God cares about how his people feel. That's an encouragement to pray. But Paul says, now when you pray, make your request known to God and do it with thanksgiving. Do it with thanksgiving. It's just hard to fret about things that I don't have when I'm thanking God for the things I do have. Isn't that right? It's hard for me to think about what I don't have. If I'm, what I'm thinking about is what God has given me, what I do have. Oh, I tell you, if you just start thanking the Lord for the many, many, many blessings He's given you, you'll see, really, I have very little to fret about. Really. Rejoicing in the Lord leads God's people to pray. God is sovereign. Well, I don't mean, well, God's sovereign. He's going to do it every once anyway. No, we're to pray. Yes, God's sovereign, and we're to pray. We're to rejoice and thank God for who he is. I'll tell you, you can start with this. Thank God he condescended to save sinners like we are. Oh, my goodness. We're wretched and vile, yet he condescended to save us? I'll tell you, that's a mighty good place to start with thanksgiving, isn't it? And praying. Now, I'm talking about truly praying. I'm not just talking about going through the motions, but I'm talking about true prayer. It puts everything in its proper perspective. Because if I'm truly going to pray to ask God for what I need, to thank him, to praise him, those three things ought to be in every prayer. You know what that requires of me? If I'm going to thank God, if I'm going to praise Him, if I'm going to ask Him for what I need, that requires me to be in the dust at His feet and Him to be on the throne. Well, that's everything in its proper perspective. And if I'm at the foot of the throne of grace, what do I got to worry about? There's no anxiety there, is there? There's no worst possible outcome can happen there. And here's the fifth thing. If we are rejoicing in the Lord, we'll have peace of heart. Verse 7, Paul says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts 
and minds through Christ Jesus. Now we've talked about this peace some in recent weeks. The peace that Paul's talking about here is not peace because I don't have anything to fret about. It's not peace because there's nothing wrong. No, it's not having peace because there's no trial that's buffeting me right now. This is peace of heart because I have peace with God. And I can enjoy that peace even though the trial is buffeting. We have peace with God through the blood of the cross. The blood of Christ. His blood he sacrificed for the sin of his people. Took away the sin. All the sin. That made God angry. He poured out his wrath upon his son. Till the sin that made him angry was gone. There's no more wrath left in God for his people. He poured it all out on his son. For the sin that was charged to him. God's not mad. You think of it. God's not mad at his people anymore. He's at peace with his people. Now, if God's not mad at me, God's at peace with me. What on earth do I have to fear? Not one blessed thing. And this is peace. Now, the peace I'm talking about here is something only a believer can understand. It passes all human understanding. This is something that's only experienced in the heart. It's spiritual peace. See, the things of this earth, the trials of this earth, are still going to hurt my body. There's still going to pain and loss and sorrow. They're still going to hurt. But nothing can touch my soul. Nothing can touch my heart. Nothing can take away my peace with God. Nothing can take away my peace that I feel, you know, this peaceful, easy feeling because nothing's wrong, but... Not my peace with God. It can't touch that. And I tell you, the believer, this peace with God's a two-way street. God's not mad. He's, and I'm not either. The blood of Christ has been applied to my heart. He's given me a new heart, and I'm not angry with God anymore either. See, there can't be any peace until the combatant surrenders. See, I'm the one that started the war. I'm in this with Adam. We started the war. We're not going to be any beasts until we surrender. I surrender. I lay down my shotgun. I surrender. And I'm glad to do it. Peace is a whole lot better than war. And I'm not afraid of God. No, I worship Him. I pray. I have fear, reverential uh, reverence of Him, but I'm not afraid of Him. I worship Him. I praise Him. And because of the blood of Christ, because of the person of Christ, I can come boldly before his throne of grace. If I'm praising the Lord for his sovereignty, his sovereign power, his sovereign grace, that he is in control of everything, his sovereignty means nothing can stop his will or purpose from being done. Nothing. Then I'll tell you, I'll enjoy peace of heart. Now, I'm going to still feel anxious about things because that's what this flesh does. I'm going to feel anxious about things because I don't know the outcome. I don't know how this thing's going to turn out and, you know, I might worry about that. But the believer can also see, I know I feel that way in this flesh, but there's no reason for me to. There's no reason for me to fear that because I'm in God's hand. Isn't that what the Savior said? They're in my hand. 
No man can pluck them out of my hand. I tell you, that gives me peace. Peace of heart that passes all human understanding. And lastly, and this is kind of what we've been talking about here, the, the, the unity that Paul wanted to see, this, this discord he wanted to see got rid of in the church of Philippi. If I have peace with God, I'm rejoicing in Christ Jesus because it's his blood that gave me peace with God. I'm going to find it easy to be at peace with my brothers and sisters. They've been washed in the same blood. They've been chosen in the same electing love. They've been, they've been redeemed by the same power. They've, they've been given the same new, new spirit, new nature that I have. I'm going to find it easy to be at peace with my brothers and sisters. And sometimes something might come up that might make that, that difficult to do for, for a few minutes. But I tell you what, strive for it. When that comes up, now you strive for it. And you know what will make what will give you the motivation to strive for it? We want to promote peace here. We want to promote peace. Because there can't be any worship of God without peace. If people are fussing and fighting and you just know, oh, I got, you know, this this little sect here and this little sect here and this little sect here. They're interpreting everything that's being said and done by what's going on with their little fussing and fighting and their little feud that they got going. If people are thinking about that, we're not thinking about him. That's, I insist there be peace here for that reason. I'm not just being a, a hard case here. Our purpose is to worship our God. God's given us the blessed, blessed privilege of hearing his gospel preached. He's given us the blessed, blessed privilege of having a place in our town where the gospel is preached. I don't want to waste it, Eric. That's not everywhere. I don't want to waste that. God's given us the opportunity to worship Him. I want to do everything in my power to be able to do that. Because He's worthy. And if that's our goal, if it's our unified goal, we'll have peace. We'll have unity. And God just might be pleased to bless His Word. All right, I hope that'll bless you. Let's bow together. Our Father, we thank you for your word, this this instruction in your word to tell us again to look to Christ, to depend upon him, to, to rest in him, that his person, his blood, his sacrifice, his gospel is the only issue. Father, I thank you for this place. I thank you for this family of believers. Thank you for the peace, the unity of purpose that you've given us that we might be able to worship you. And Father, I beg of you that you'd preserve it, that you'd preserve it for many, many, many years to come, that this might be a place where Christ our Savior is exalted and where your people can come and be blessed and instructed and edified by the preaching of Christ our Savior. Is it his blessed name, for his sake and his glory we pray, Sean. Okay, if you would turn to song number five hundred twenty seven.
and stand as we sing thanks to God. 